Um, I like Nights on Broadway. Yeah. Too. Living it up on the Nights on Broadway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know what stands out first because I like everything so much. Everything. <laughs> like that bass line rules. The percussion. Yeah, the, the, I like the, the high triangle-y yep. type cymbal stuff. It's like cocaine falling out of my nose <laughs> on, the, on the dance floor. Yo, I was sh- me and Toppy were shopping at um, Home Goods the other <laughs> week or um, Ross Dress for Less. Love it. <laughs> I'm glad they're and back. This, and this song came on, the, and I was thinking about us doing this yeah. for the podcast, because like, it was on it was on the schedule. And I was sitting there listening to these guys sing while shopping through Ross Dress for Less, and it was like such a great time. Like this is a great shopping song. This is incredible singing. I just wanted to buy something. Nice <laughs> chord. Yeah. It's like. I like this. <laughs> How many takes did that take? Uh, this is just like one of the most legendary singers. I feel like he just ripped it. It's like the Bee Gees are fun because they feel like America's version. And like, I don't know, maybe they're Canadian, honestly. Right. They feel like North America's answer to ABBA. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I hope, like, it's like I a little more dangerous. I wish. I hope these guys are like six five. <laughs> they, they, they are tall. I'm yes, I sure. think I think they're tall and lanky, <laughs> which is like what makes it all the better. It's like really just masterfully arranged. This is like a such a cool composition. All the instruments like hit when they're supposed to. Yeah, man. Like, I, I think it was common. Like, I was noticing like how long the song is. Five minutes song. Because you just put it on in the in, in the, the club clubs. and you just let yeah. it go. You just let it go. <laughs> Imagine it's crazy because like I think we do, we're doing such a disservice nowadays to our producers by like making their club bangers like two and a half minutes. I know. Just make them five minutes. Maybe they'll start writing. Just let it ride. Strings like arrangements and stuff. Dude. <laughs> Welcome to Listen to This, a podcast in which we explore songs we like. We research what they mean, how they were recorded, why they were written, why we like them, and why you should listen to this. Today's track is the ubiquitous Bee Gees classic Stayin' Alive, as heard in every Marshalls. <laughs> Ross Dress for Less. For less. Every, every diner, every Waffle House, yep, yep. every ironic disco party nowadays and every real disco party back a days oh yeah <laughs> it was released on december 13th 1977 and shot to the top of the charts it was originally recorded for the saturday night fever soundtrack nice where it was used like perfectly in the opening scene that's the um travolta, John travolta yeah, yeah nice, legendary nice, nice. travolta had a lot going on back then dude i mean he was a serious yeah, serious yeah. like Mega star. Yeah, you know that the soundtrack that this is off of won the Grammy for album of the year. No shit. Yeah, which is really cool. That's so crazy. <laughs> Major man. flex. Um, yeah. A lot of people consider this to be one of the greatest disco tracks of all time. It was the second of six consecutive number one singles for the Bee Gees, which is crazy. Wow. The only other person to match that was the Beatles. And then I think it was Eclipse by Whitney Houston. Wow. Eventually, yeah. She had seven. Jesus. 
petty. Just back to back to back to back. Yeah, back yeah. Back. Isn't that nuts? That would be such a like, hot streak. I don't know if I would be able to handle that. It's like, it's just like back back in these days, it was it, it was such a flex because people had to really like go out and buy the song and spin yeah. the song where today it's all like just manipulated through the internet. Yeah, which like you sort of just don't trust it as much. I yeah. mean, people were, were were and always will be manipulating charts. Yeah, of course. But it does feel like easier now. <laughs> it does feel easier. It, feel, it feels more like a kid in his basement. Yeah, you to, just like get a computer. Yeah. Um, the song was written and produced by the Bee Gees and Albie Galutin. <laughs> Which is a great name. Yeah, I'm about to blow your mind with this fucking I'll guy. I'll be gluten. I'll, like, I eat gluten. Like, kind of. It's probably pronounced differently. It's a, I'll, I'll spell it out. A-L-B-Y, first name. I'll be. I'll be. And then last name, G-A-L-U-T-E-N. Gluten. All I heard you say was, I eat gluten. I'll be gluten. Oh, dude, you're, you're about to... This is like going to blow your mind about this dude. I'll be gluten. <laughs> He's credited with creating the first commercial drum loop ever. No shit. For this particular song. Dude, like yeah, that would make sense. Like <laughs> like going seven like late seventies, going into the eighties, like yeah. MIDI's starting to get thing, drum machines are starting to become. Well, this a was thing. like a tape loop that he did. No shit. Yeah, yeah, but it was like the first one ever made on like a on a commercial recording. And ba- and what happened was the band's drummer had recently died. Wow. And they couldn't find anybody that really fit the style. Right. So after listening to the drum track of the already recorded Night Fever song, Albie took two bars from that track, re-recorded them as a recurrent loop on a separate tape, and proceeded with sessions for Staying Alive, which accounts for like the perfect rhythm of the song. How the fuck do you do that? Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> like, I didn't know you could loop a tape machine. Yeah. Like, I, this just could be my lack of knowledge, but like that shit blows my I mind. I guess you just I like do you, do you just copy the tape? No, you create a, a thing that loops it, I guess. Yeah. But how does it do it so seamlessly? It is like amazing, like the tinkering that's go, that used to go on back back in the day. Yeah, it was like studio. I mean, I mean, they used to say like when I was um, reading something about the Beatles, they were saying how they used to never go into the control room. They never went into the control room because yeah. there was just like a bunch of guys wearing like lab coats in there. Yeah, <laughs> those like were the, they were scientists. The real serious engineers back then. Yeah, it's like you know, like it was a real <laughs> no science. Offense. Luke, you know a lot about science. You're you you got me to watch Interstellar. Oh man, great! Yeah, that's kind of pseudoscience, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but <laughs> that's enough science to me. Um, <laughs> so the, uh, the like as a joke, the group listed the drummer on the track as Ber- Bernard Loopy. <laughs> Which is his takeoff on session drummer Bernard P- Purdy. That's amazing. And it was really funny because after the track came out, he was like a super sought after drummer, no even, even though he's a fake. People were like, yeah. what, trying to hit him up. Like, <laughs> Give me this Bernard Loopy, this fucking staying alive tracks go so goddamn hard. I mean, dude, the pocket is good. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't have known. Yeah, no there's way. no way. And this sounds so real. Yeah. And dude. also, you don't think of, I never think of sampling. Like or drum loops really until like the nineties. If I'm being honest, I know it was yeah. happening in the eighties, but it just feels like it was very archaic, like kick snare. Yeah, oh. yeah. So it's just crazy to hear like a real, dude, real drummer nuts. sampled. Oh yeah, dude. And seventy-seven. I'm gonna use that like whenever I talk to some nerdy engineer guys. Yeah. Like, hey guys. Get that. <laughs> Although people think of this as the quintessential disco song. The lyrics are about something darker than doing cocaine and talking to people who don't care what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> According to, re- to lead singer Robin Gibb, the subject matter of staying alive is quite as serious as one. It's about survival in the streets of New York. Mm. And of the song's like iconic status, he says, 
Quote, people crying out for help, desperate songs. Those are the ones that become giants. The minute you capture that on record, it's gold. Staying alive is the epitome of that. Everybody struggles against the world, fighting all the bullshit and the things that can drag you down. And it really is a victory just to survive. But when you climb back on top and win bigger than ever before, well, that's something everybody reacts to. Wow. Powerful. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know what it is about the 70s, but I just feel like life was hard in the 70s. It's, well, it was certainly like a grittier New York City. Yeah, and, you and know Boston I mean? too. Like when I think about the 70s, I think yeah. about Boston and New York just being super gritty. I think yeah. of like graf- graffiti yeah. all over the subway. Yeah. I think about the Warriors, which not a real gang, but yeah, like love yeah. the movie. Oh, it's that, just the that's mo- the... um. What's the famous line? Can you do yes, it? Yes, yes, Cyrus. Dude, yes, we gotta get Cyrus in to dude. fucking run for president. <laughs> like, come on! I know. What a classic <laughs> film! But like, that's how I like think yeah. about like seventies New York. So it's funny because like disco became such a like di- like this song basically kicked off this huge disco wave. People copied the shit out of it. Oh yeah, and they took a kind of cool funky song about the grittiness of like the human experience. Yeah. Um, and turned it into commercialized bullshit. Yeah. Which, you know, we see that a lot, I guess. Man, my parents, like, whenever I th- hear a disco song, I think about my parents. They love this. Really? What was, their, what was their, some of their disco Oh, this, all this stuff. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, yeah, and like uh, my mom loved all the um, female disco artists. Um, I can't even think of them, but I know the songs. That's the crazy thing. Yeah, my parents skipped this this era. Um, yeah, I think my parents are older, much older than yours. Well, it's like, I think like, I think like my mom was into like kind of more like weird hippie folk music and my dad was just like listening to rock and roll i don't think either of them were like fucking with the bgs but yeah. i did forever dude i love the song oh, when dude, i heard the it as a are kid great. they're brothers right i, I don't know because I, 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 I think they're i think two of them are brothers the gibbs yeah i think it, it yeah. is the gibbs i think <laughs> <laughs> they're so sick yeah it's like people people don't sing like that anymore yeah I, I mean that's one thing that immediately stands out like about the track like the production's great and it's fun to talk about but like you know it the bgs are the bgs because of those vocal harmonies yeah you take those vocals out and the yeah. track is cool but i don't think it's a smash hit song no i was just trying to like as i was, as i was saying that i was like trying to picture it with like um i was trying to picture someone else like the too. jonas brothers singing and right I, I, was, I was like contrived yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah because like that's kind of like the modern day like early jonas I brothers like, I, like you know i just always go to i always try to go to like really famous bands to be like, all right, let's put their money where their mouth is. Like, can they actually make classic songs better or a lot worse? I mean, I can't name a Jonas Brothers song. I can name plenty. I know the Maybe one like that's three. out right now. I know um, SOS. That was an old one. See, I don't know. I've been to the year 3000. Don't no. know that one. No. The only thing I know about the Jonas Brothers is their, and I know I've brought up yeah. South Park maybe five times, but they have a great South Park episode. I haven't seen that one either. It's like where Mickey is like a, he's like a mob boss. <laughs> is that one of the Jonas Brothers? No, Mickey, like, because I think um, the Jonas Brothers that had like a deal with Disney. Yeah, yeah, they were Disney like, Channel. It's like Mickey was making them wear like purity rings. Oh, got it. Yeah. And like Mickey's like the boss and like beating them up and stuff. Yeah, that purity ring was like so, it was totally their hook for a while. I feel like people were not. Not. I feel like people were casting their purity rings into the ocean when this BG song came out. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It feels like it represents a time period that it doesn't really 
it never really tried to represent. It just was so good that the time period came after it. Does that yeah. make any sense? Like, I don't know anything about like cult, the cultures of the 60s and 70s, mm-hmm. but like from my like really basic understanding is like the 60s had like this big free movement, like more open sex, da, 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 da. Yeah. But I felt like in the 70s, it, it, it started becoming a little bit more popular amongst like common people. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, like, and this, I think disco was a way for people to kind of let loose. Yeah, like this sounds, I, you know, like, I think the Bee Gees have made it pretty clear that they are like they don't like being associated with the disco movement. Who would? Yeah, I mean, yeah disco exactly. Gets sh- disco gets shit on. Yeah, especially when after reading that quote that he says about that the song, I'm like, this guy was really writing shit. Like yeah, he, that's yeah, that was for real. Yeah, <laughs> but um, it's just it's crazy because like when I hear this song, I, I, one of the first things I think about is swinging. Like yeah, being yeah. A swinger. That's what I was trying to. Like, that's what I was like trying to like <laughs> yeah. articulate. It just like it became more common. You gotta for, get like, a whole new outfit. <laughs> it be, yeah. <laughs> I can just yeah. think of like the white suit with the big feathered, <laughs> the big feathered collar. The the label wanted the song to share the same name as the film it was written for, but the BG said "fuck that," and that was probably pretty smart. Yeah, because this because yeah. that was that was a really famous, popular movie. Yeah, I am very confident that this song is more famous than that movie now. Definitely, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And definitely. I wonder if that I'm trying to think of other movies where like. That's probably happened. Where like the song is more yeah, famous yeah, than the movie. movie. Probably definitely Whitney Houston, I, the "I Will Always Love You" from the Bodyguard. People like that movie, yeah. but you know, I mean, another big one is the Titanic theme song. Yeah, you think it's bigger than Titanic the movie? Oh, man, I, don't I don't know. I think kids today know the song. Yeah, but I don't think they know the movie. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. It's like good that's kind of where I'm thinking. Like, did yeah. it go through the generations? It's too long of and a shitty movie to go through the generations. Well, now in today's <laughs> world, yeah. You saw that Rick and Morty episode. Yeah. Yeah, the yeah. Titanic. That's just so cringy, dude. Um, the couple, a couple last things. The song's recorded at the Chateau d'Oraville in in France. I try, I try, I put my little Portuguese. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I saw like, that. Fuck. Yeah, I saw that. Um, this is also like where they recorded Benny and the Jets. No shit. Yeah, yeah. It's a really famous like uh, studio, and it was recorded. Um, it was super common in the seventies for groups to record there because tax reasons. Better no, in France. Oh shit! It's crazy that. Things like taxes impact where songs get recorded. Yeah, I never <laughs> thought about that. Well, I, I know because like early in my career, I, I cut a record in Shreveport, Louisiana, right? Because right. they had they gave like a thirty percent cash rebate on anybody that would record there. Hmm. So that's like if you spend like you know ten, 10 grand making dollars. a record, yeah, you, they give you three k back in cash. No shit, right? That's thirty percent. That's thirty percent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> So we maybe we gotta start giving cash rebates to people for listening to the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, man, the last thing to talk about is the song um, is used all the time in medical training for CPR. Oh, you're right, because, dude. You're yeah, right because it's like this. It's the yeah. right tempo. It's about 120 beats per minute. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, and also, like, I think the ti- the title. People Help can hear the song. Alive, and, yeah, people. Can, nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a good pun. Which I think is cool. Like maybe that's maybe that will outlet like officially become the CPR song in like two hundred years. Definitely. Um, and I think the Bee Gees knew this would happen. Yeah, was, I mean, if they if they were thinking about tax exemptions, <laughs> yeah. they were definitely thinking about this. Well, check out this quote I got from uh, from Robin Gibb. He said, "Quote: We thought when we were writing it that it should emulate the human heart." we got the we got the keyboard player at the time to lie on the floor and put electrodes on his heart and put it through the control room 
what the fuck? <laughs> Dude, man. We were the first people in the world to do something like that. I believe it. <laughs> I think that's so cool. Um, money, man. It can, Dude, yeah, it, money. It, it can make a recording session. So much fun. So fun and reckless. But that's where like a lot of this fun stuff comes from. Yeah, man, we missed out. Do you ever record like a predominantly falsetto vocalist like this? <sighs> predominantly falsetto. Cause like he's up there. I think almost yeah, this whole song whole is falsetto. Song. All the harmonies too. Like yeah, you know, it's a different. It's a different sound coming through the mic than like a chest voice. Yeah, I don't think I. I don't think people sing like that anymore. Yeah. How do you? How do they? How did they get it? Is it the thickness of the harmony that makes it sound less like head voice falsetto? Even though it is, or is it just it, that yeah. they're great singers? They got a lot of vibrato in that range. Like Super yeah. great singers. I think they're also stacking it a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's a lot of stacks of probably all three of them doing it. So like they do a record three, do a record three, do a record three, do a record three. And it's like, bam, like you have a huge choir now. Yeah, yeah. You know? Damn, these guys are fucking great. Yeah, I mean, if they were doing electrodes on people's hearts to get <laughs> like that, like they're definitely stacking. Uh, man, well, this is a song about hitting hitting the disco scene blowing down or giving someone cpr at a cracker barrel <laughs> or or the gritty s- streets of the coney island boardwalk running away from from the fucking gang with the little bats right i can't remember their name <laughs> staying alive by the bgs <laughs> listen to this <laughs> <laughs> 